Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey guys, it's Perry here to let you know that this episode of Collider Movie Talk is brought to you by DC Universe, the first all-DC platform for us DC fans where you can binge the highly touted original series, Titans, or you can jump into the all-new Swamp Thing with new episodes dropping weekly. Also, check out the thousands of comics just added, catch up on your favorite series, including Krypton Season 1, and watch animated movies like Reign of the Superman. Join at DCUniverse.com. Let's take a quick break. You know what's one of my favorite things to do post-dancing rehearsal? Not gonna lie, it's putting on some sweatpants immediately and having a drink. You all know I love a glass of wine or two, but I also like to switch it up. So lately, Jason and I have been making a little cocktail at night using Rum Haven. Rum Haven believes Mother Nature did things right, so it's crafted using real coconut water and not using artificial preservatives or flavorings. It is so incredibly refreshing. I mentioned I like to add it to a cocktail, but it's also actually great over ice with a splash of club soda. It tastes like I'm on vacation, sitting on an island somewhere far, far away which is without a doubt a great feeling, especially during these crazy times. So make sure to follow at Rum Haven on Instagram because they post all types of these seasonal recipes. They do giveaways and tips. Plus, when you go to discover.rumhaven.com, you can find their latest blogs, quizzes, and any promotions they have going on. On one of their latest blog posts, they actually have some tips about planning your virtual watch party, which is pretty perfect since everyone's favorite reality shows back on Tuesdays. Be sure to have a little virtual drink with me, sip some Rum Haven, maybe even while you're listening to the pod. Let me know what you think. Celebrate more for less at HomeSense. More yummy, the best cookware by far. And three cheers for bar. More I love it gifts from chocolate to spa to ooh la la. HomeSense, cheer is here. Welcome back to Collider Movie Talk. Today we're discussing the latest quotes from Quentin Tarantino about his Star Trek movie, which clearly is going to be very R-rated. And then on top of that, summer movie season 2019. What's going on? I think mediocre might be the word of the summer movie season. We're going to get into it. We're going to talk about all the releases we've seen thus far and highlight some upcoming ones we think could buck this trend a little bit. And I get to have that conversation with Roka. Hello. Great. Always happy to do a show with Roka. Thank you. But no offense, we have a special guest. Oh. Silas. Silas is back oh. in the house. Hi. Thanks for having me back. Love yeah. having you. Love having you here too, Roka. Thank you. Stop showing Spock <laughs> flicking people off. Oh, 
no, uh, yeah, that that graphic gets all the credit in the world. <laughs> I enjoyed that a little too much, but I am not super into this uh, R-rated Star Trek idea. Jumping into these latest quotes here, we had Quentin Tarantino tell Empire that his new Star Trek movie will be, and this is Empire's wording, they said swear-laden and that it will be R-rated if he steps behind the camera. And then this is a direct quote from Tarantino himself. He said, it's an R-rated movie. If I do it, it'll be R-rated. As for the current state of the movie, he said, there's a script that exists for it now. I need to weigh in on it, but I haven't been able to do that yet. We've actually seen a very similar quote recently, so that's not necessarily the news here. The words that I got very focused on was, I mean, was swear laden, which again, it wasn't the exact words he used. I believe uh, Empire asked him if there's going to be swearing in the movie. And then he said something along the lines of, oh, yeah. So that's where we get that term from. But you hear this description of another Star Trek movie and it feels it feels very anti Star Trek to Mm. me. Like it's completely missing out on what the core of that entire franchise was about and the feel and the ideas that it puts forth. And it doesn't feel right to me. Do either of you feel differently? I feel very differently. I I think that there is no wrong way to do Star Trek. That Star Trek is about exploring strange new worlds. It's it's the Vulcan philosophy of infinite diversity and infinite combinations. And as soon as you say that something specifically is not Star Trek, then you're missing the point of Star Trek. Ooh, you just like flipped everything on its head. But also when (laughs) at the very beginning, like my mind went to some very dark places. Like you you can totally go wrong with this. You can. And you 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 could absolutely screw it up. I I personally have actually been saying Quentin Tarantino should direct a Star Trek movie ever since uh, the Star Trek two quote opened uh, Hmm. Kill Bill. Um, I, I used to say that the coolest thing we could get is a samurai epic that's entirely in Klingon. Um, and I'd love to see that with an R rating. I disagree with my learned friend here completely and thoroughly. I don't want Quinn anywhere near this business. It's a little weird to me to talk about an R-rated Star Trek. Because remember Star Trek Discovery Season 1? There were some pretty R-rated things going on, and that really pissed the fans off. The unnecessary cussing. No one wanted to see Vulcan sex. Like, all that kind of stuff. It just it doesn't work because the whole point of Star Trek is not to showcase that. It is to talk about how to overcome our differences so we can live together in harmony, different species, different human beings to start going into a darker grittier star trek i don't think it lends itself that way we're supposed to star wars i think it does because that's more of a battle of good versus evil it's not necessarily a battle uh, it's not necessarily about overcoming differences as coming together there is rec- there is a uh, uh, redemption obviously in the story of darth vader and skywalker but uh luke rather but for me star trek is about people from different uh, uh, beginnings coming together for a unified effort to overcome or solve a problem and having it be R-rated kind of undercuts that because then you'll have like people, I don't know, people cussing up a storm and doing, I don't want any of that. Keep the speeches, just don't have any cuss words. Now that I'm thinking about it, I have a feeling part of the reason right now why I'm pushing back on the curse words in Star Trek was because of Discovery. There were a couple of times where I most certainly wasn't offended by them. I use those words enough in my everyday life, but whenever they would pop up, I would go, not necessarily, oh, like, he or she shouldn't have used that word, that's a terrible word, but more like, like, oh. 
Like it, it almost right. took me out of it a little. Like something about it didn't feel right. And granted, that could be the tone of discovery, and he could strike a very different tone here. And you know, we have Jay Scott for real chiming in in the live chat right now, saying if the story requires an R rating, go for it. Don't do it for the sake of doing it. And I think ultimately that is where I stand. Mm. I can't quite picture at this point in time a Star Trek story that calls for an R rating, especially because as someone who watches a lot of horror movies out there, I've seen a whole bunch of them hint at really gory things and raise the suspense and tension Mm. by just basically hinting at something super scary or graphic happening without actually having to show it. So the thought of Star Trek having to go to that territory, I just, I can't come up with a good reason for it right now, Quentin Tarantino is such a creative individual. Maybe he'll get there. I have my suspicion that that what is really going on is he's saying, if I'm doing a Star Trek movie, I'm not going to have limitations for myself. So it's going to be R-rated, and that's mm-hmm. the attitude I'm going in with. I don't think it's going to mean that the crew is, is, is swearing up a storm. Yeah, an R-rated approach to Star Trek, I'm okay with. Cussing and unnecessary sexual stuff that, that I don't want. And so, I mean, Star Trek is supposed to represent the best of us, like to become what we'd like to become in the future, the best of us. Is there still betrayal? Is there still lying? Is there still like people pursuing their own agendas? Of course, that's, that's any species or in humanities. But if you start to throw in all this unnecessary stuff, then I, I think you lose the whole point of Star Trek. And I think you still tell an R-rated story. Absolutely. There are some really dark edges to those universes that you can explore, but you've got to do it in a way that isn't, like J. Scott Real said, doing it just to do it that way. I agree with him completely. Here's a question from the chat that you two will probably be good to weigh in on from Patrick Hamilton, who's asking, who should play the R-rated Star Trek villain? I don't think I know enough about mm. all the lore and years of history, despite how much time I've put into the franchise recently, which I have been loving, but... Do you guys have anybody in mind? Here's the thing about Star Trek villains. For some (laughs) reason, when we get Star Trek movies, the talk is always who's going to be the villain. And that is not Star Trek to me. Star Trek is about conflicting points of view and how they, they come into contact with one another and cause problems. And the movies have this focus. They treat them like comic book movies where it's like, who's going to be the bad guy this time? I don't want a bad guy. Well, and they've rarely got it right when it comes to the bad guys, right? You had a cheesy Christopher Lloyd. Lawrence Luckinbill is forgettable. F. Murray Abraham was chewing up the scenery. Khan is the best one we've ever had. And even if that wasn't a perfect performance for the, for the creation of that film, it could have easily been seen as cheesy with the, the fake chest and all that kind of stuff that Ricardo Montalban is doing. And even in the first one, the villain is actually V'ger, which is this uh, downed satellite. So there, it's the, the idea of getting the villain. I mean, you could go Fassbender. I think it'd be right to get Fassbender involved in this in some way. He'd be interesting as a villain. Even Mads Mikkelsen would be fun as a villain portraying another species. That could be interesting overall. Uh, uh, Star Trek Six isn't interesting because the villains are a number of people who actually, as an us version of Star Trek, this whole different, these all different species come together to go and be evil to stop the unification of the Klingons and uh, uh, humans in this huh. new world in Star Trek Six. I think you just sold me with that one. Yeah, I don't <laughs> well, know. I'm kind the of us version of Star Trek. <laughs> well, the second you tee it up like that, you're going to pique my right, interest. True, um, before we move on from this topic, <laughs> I want to backpedal just a little bit because we're talking about the details here. But the bigger question is. 
is this movie ever gonna even happen? Uh, because yeah. we've been talking about it for so long, there hasn't really been much progress made on it. And I know it's because Quentin Tarantino is busy with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood right now. And yes, maybe there is a chance that when that is over and done with, he could shift over to this. But that's not even the only project in the future he's spoken yeah. about. And also, we are coming upon his 10th film, which we think is going to be his final film directing. It's not a ne it's not necessarily the case that he's going to direct Star Trek. He could just wind up writing and producing it. But given everything going on in his career right now, like, do you think this is ever going to come to fruition? I hope it does. I, I, but I think we've seen Quentin Tarantino work in, in these cycles. And, I mean, the gap between Jackie Brown and Kill Bill was huge. Mm. Uh, he has this, like, self-imposed mandate that... He's going to do one more film after Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And Star Trek doesn't count, and any franchise thing he wants to do doesn't count. But it looks like the, the Django versus Zorro might go ahead with him overseeing mm. to some degree. I think I would not be surprised if we're in for a few years of him playing around in Hollywood and having fun with franchises he loves before he comes back and delivers his final film. Yeah, it's tough to say. You would Normally in the past you'd say, oh, no way this happens. But... That Todd Phillips Joker movie, everyone was saying, no way this is going to happen, Martin Scorsese, whatever. There's no way they put this together. It makes no sense, blah, blah, blah. And damn it, it's coming out in a few months. So, I mean, you don't, you can't put anything past Hollywood, even though your inclination or your leanings are that it'd be really difficult for this to happen, especially if he keeps to his 10th deadline. But you bring up a great point, Silas. If he's a writer and producer on this, then it technically is a way around this being his 10th film, like True Romance, right? He wrote, and essentially that is a Tarantino version of a Tony Scott film. So it's like, those are the things he can get around those kinds of things if he wanted to. And I w it'd be interesting to see him like contribute scripts to certain franchises. I might be okay with that. Just don't let Robert Rodriguez direct a Star Trek film that's already written by Quentin Tarantino. No, 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 no. Get me another younger director. Get me Chad Stahelski. That'd be good. All right, guys. We're going to keep an eye on this Star Trek movie and probably cover it many a times before we get the official word on whether or not they're moving forward. But right now, we got to move forward with movie talk. We're not getting to the discussion about summer movies just yet because you want to know about some other Collider content coming your way. Check out this promo. It's that little chico pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. 
Hey, Perry here again to remind you that this episode of Movie Talk is brought to you by DC Universe, the first all-DC platform for us DC fans. Join at DCUniverse.com and get sucked into new original series like the highly touted Titans, or you can catch up on favorites like Krypton Season 1 and jump into new episodes of Swamp Thing dropping weekly. The show follows Abby Arcane as she investigates what seems to be a deadly swamp-borne virus in a small town in Louisiana and soon discovers that the swamp holds mystical and terrifying secrets. You can also get your comic book fix with thousands of new comic titles just added to an already impressive comic library. This includes more recent titles and complete storylines like Superman, Secret Origin, Batman 2011, and Harley Quinn 2013. Also available on the platform are tons of the classic DC movies we love, like Batman and the original Superman movie. And then, if animated films are more your speed, sign up right now because Reign of the Superman and Justice League vs. The Fatal Five are now available. DC Universe is available on your favorite device so if you were thinking about it before, now is definitely the time. Join and get a year's worth of DC content at DCUniverse.com. It's that little chico pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive. Brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game. So that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. What's up, Collider fans? Ryan Satin here from ProWrestlingSheet.com, where you can find the top stories throughout the week in the world of professional wrestling. If you're a wrestling fan like myself, then you'd be doing yourself a disservice by not checking out all the shows we do every week on YouTube.com slash C slash Wrestling Sheet. In particular, on Wednesdays, we've got a SmackDown recap show hosted by John Roca and myself, where we pick apart and, and talk about every little thing that happened on the Blue Brand. So do yourself a favor and go subscribe at youtube.com slash C slash wrestling sheet. So we've got some wrestling coverage for you. We also have <laughs> games coverage at E3. You can check out all of that Collider games and then also on social media. I hear Dorian climbed a rock wall, so you don't want to miss that. That should be interesting. I'm going to check it out later. But right now we got to talk about the summer 2019 box office season because Things have been interesting. So this discussion that we're going to have right now came from a conversation that I had with a good friend last night after we saw Men in Black International, Angie Han of Mashable, and I brought it up when we did our Men in Black review today. And it seems to me, and tell me if you guys feel differently, that the word of the summer season thus far, as it pertains to the tentpole movies, the big budget studio films, the franchise films, stuff like that, is mediocre. Because I, for one, have reviewed most of these movies, and I feel like I keep saying time and time again, mm. I didn't love it, it wasn't great, I was entertained, and it's just passable. And, I mean, I'm kind of sick of saying that, but what's going on here, and do you agree? 
I agree and I don't agree. I, I think that there are some that, for example, I liked uh, 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 Godzilla King of the Monsters, and I know mm-hmm. a lot of people didn't as much. But I do think that the problem is is happening because of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think we we mm. have uh, we we started the summer with the movie to end all epic summer movies, mm-hmm. and it's hard to come back to that. And we're also seeing a lot of franchises trying to duplicate that cinematic universe success with mixed results. Yeah, you know, that's a that's a fair point. I mean. When you think about what the MCU has done, and also when you think about what the Disney-Fox merger has done, and just the oversaturation of major tentpole movies again, there's, there's only so much like, time and money to go around. And I'm not even talking about just from like, the movie-going perspective. Mm-hmm. Like We saw an especially bad weekend at the box office last weekend, and I have a feeling we're in for the same this time around. But you know, studios are putting so much time and resources into these major, major properties that in the end feel like they feel, I think I used the word like undercooked on the Men in Black review. That's what it's feeling like across the board to me right now. Yeah, another underword I keep using is underwhelming. And that's certainly how I feel when I walk out of most of these films. Like, good, Godzilla King of the Monsters was fun for what it was. And And I'm not one of these people that like, remembers those things in a nostalgic way and think they were incredible films that they're based on these universes. They were fun, fun monster films. That's it. What you're looking for, though, in 2019 is something a little more layered and complex and interesting and unfor- to couple with these great monster battle scenes. Unfortunately, we didn't have that in Godzilla King of the Mind. We haven't had any of those uh, from that franchise, in my opinion. And you look at Dark Phoenix... Talk about Dark Phoenix is probably uh, the antithesis of what you said. It's overcooked. There were so many cooks in that kitchen that what came out really didn't work in the long run, unfortunately. And Men in Black, we we reviewed it. It was okay. It wasn't great. It certainly wasn't a boring time in the movies. It's just okay. And I think that that's what I keep coming back to is this feeling of like, okay, I watched it. It's okay. If you want to go on a Saturday afternoon, you can. And that's the shame of it. You want to come out of a blockbuster or a tentpole movie going, you got to go see this. This is going to blow your mind like Avengers Endgame did. And we haven't had that maybe since. You can't play that game right now, again, because of how many major releases we're getting. You know, like when I go to the movies, I'm only going to spend my dollars on certain movies out there. Thankfully, we have the luxury to go to press screenings. And that's something that we really do appreciate. But if you're taking your hard-earned money and you can only spend it on a couple of movies in a mm-hmm. summer season, that's not good enough, especially when every single weekend this summer, I think it is actually really every yeah. single weekend, we have something like two major releases. But I think this is a positive in a, in a roundabout way, and that is for independent films. For the smaller films to now start to get a little more love, hopefully, from people who have been like wanting to go see these. Maybe they get a little disillusioned and the scales, uh, the, you know, everything better balances back a little bit more and these independent films start to get a little more love like Booksmart like these other films that Booksmart didn't get enough love well, that's though. what I'm saying that's, it's getting like it's getting stomped all over yeah, by yeah. this stuff because, I hear you because I, they, they don't even have like the marketing uh, budget to push them beyond these movies well that's and it's what I just, mean maybe the studios start to see that they're wasting money on this over marketing of these big tent over <laughs> and maybe start to swing back a little bit and give a little more marketing to these other smaller films to give a little more love and maybe the scales get balanced again that's what I'm hoping it's almost like we just Switch position uh, positions on the art versus money conversation. <laughs> well, like you just said, something that was so on brand for me, and I'm not buying it whatsoever. <laughs> I, just, I, you know, I think one of the most fascinating examples is Secret Life of Pets too. Right, not mm. performing, and and I, that got great reviews. It did, and it's, I did, I didn't see it myself, yeah. but the first one was not particularly good. Right. It, it had cute cartoon animals in it, and I I do think that 
while I'm not a parent myself, I do suspect that there are parents out there saying, we have Toy Story coming in two weeks. Mm. Um, let's go see that instead. They have earned mm our respect and right. they, we trust them to deliver a good product where this is just more of the same. Mm-hmm. Oh my, when you say that and I start to, you know, connect the dots to different releases and how that mentality might be going, it is essentially saying, let's save our money for Endgame. Let's save our money for yeah. a la- let's save our money for Toy Story. Let's save our money for right. Spider-Man Far From Home. Let's save our money for the line. See what's oh, it's, happening. It's, Disney is very See good at positioning right these now. movies. Yeah, 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 like yeah. they they have sort of won over everyone with what they have coming so, out. So what what is what's the answer here? I mean, is the answer as simple as I, I guess doing everything in your power to make sure you're making a good movie? Because even though I'm not super high on every single movie on mm. that screen over there, and I think they all have flaws, I don't think we were ever really in a situation where someone walked into one of those projects and said, "Well, I'm going to be lazy and half-ass this job," you know? Right, right. So, like, what's what's going on? How does a studio basically <laughs> fight the Disney machine and pop at the box office now? I think we have two movies coming up that I, I haven't seen either of them yet, but I think are. are going to do very well and hopefully will be very good and that's Annabelle Comes Home Ooh. and uh, Hobbs and Shaw mm. and they're both films that are taking cinematic universes but doing something a little different with them um, yeah. I, I find the way they've built up the Conjuring universe a lot like the way the Fast and Furious universe was originally built huh. up where you just do a bunch of movies and the average person doesn't need to know that the nun is connected to Annabelle but when you finally are able to step in and say but it is and look what is happening now it gets really exciting I'm totally with you on Hobbs and Shaw but it was such a pleasant surprise to hear you say Annabelle comes home because I, I am really mm. rooting for that I really do like that franchise the other one that sticks out to me as something that could wind up being especially given how much I think it costs to make this movie middle of July crawl yeah. watch Watch out. I'm telling you, watch out for that one. I yeah. do think it's going to be like uh, whatever year it came out, The Shallows, mm-hmm. where they didn't overspend on it and they just used what they had to the best of their ability. And I just have a feeling that's going to wind up capturing a big crowd. The other thing to look at is if, if Disney owns so much of the pie, he, they are bringing in all this great talent to work with them. So that's less talent maybe that you have on – uh, for these other studios on these other projects, whether it be behind the camera or producing or acting or writing, th- those kind of things come into play as well. If you're taking a majority of the talent, then what's left over that maybe doesn't doesn't have as strong of a team behind them to create these films and bring and bring these films uh, uh, to life and out in a positive way. That's certainly a possibility as well. All right, let's grab a question from the chat. That's kind of a combo of uh, both of our stories here in a way. Mm. Uh, Luis Enrique de la Pena is asking which. Summer mediocre blockbuster would have benefited more or you'd like to see with an R rating. I don't think it would have helped any of them. No. But I mean, the only one on the list that I'm looking at right now is I don't know. Actually, now that I'm saying it, just because I'm so hung up on like New Mutants getting an R rating, like what if they went super dark with Dark Phoenix and, and just went full R? Two and a half hour of Dark Phoenix that was rated R. If you'd done it well, like Lo- yes. I mean, like Logan. I yeah. don't know, but they tried the the one f word in Dark Phoenix, and oh, it yeah. was laughable. Uh, no, that's fair. That's fair. The only other one that came to mind was was Godzilla, but then again, that doesn't seem like the right move for that franchise, given what it costs. And it's yeah. not saying that Godzilla: King of the Monsters was meant to be a family friendly movie, but it was meant to be seen by you know parents with maybe like their their teenaged kids. I would think. I'm down with an R rated Aladdin. 
I'm down. Let's make it happen. Oh, let's boy. make it happen. Jeannie, oh, I got Roca. some wishes. Jeannie, I got some wishes. What's happening right oh, now? Yeah, <laughs> All right. We have another question from the live chat, not about summer movie season, but for a movie that I'm really excited about. Never thought would ever happen. Robert uh, Schroth? I'm sorry, man. You're asking, Spice Girls animated movie. Yeah. Is it already 1998? Spice World is a special movie. Listen, that's the best work that Alan Cummings <laughs> ever done, that Richard E. Grant's ever done. George Wentz in that damn thing. Oh, I no. went to see it in the theaters. I was a massive Spice Girls fan. I have all their CDs. I love those. Ginger Spice. Speaking about wishes, Aladdin, Ginger Spice. Let's put that oh, on the table. Roca, anyway, there's great stuff. I'm glad it's being... But it's great that they're all coming back to do this animated film because, I mean, there was an acrimonious split between Ginger and the rest of the ladies in that group. So it's good that they're all coming back to do this. I'm very surprised they got Posh to do it because Posh has been one of these people that does not want Victoria Beckham, does not want to come back and do the tours anymore because she's a rich fashion designer. She doesn't need to do that stuff. But her coming back to do this is probably for her kids. It's probably a positive thing all around. I think one of the greatest days of my adult life was going to their reunion tour back during college. <laughs> like the joy that brought to my life, you don't even know. And I will watch anything Spice Girls related. I'm concerned that you haven't weighed in yet, Silas. <laughs> I did not know there was a new Spice Girls movie. And I have not seen Spice World, unfortunately. Oh, no. There's... There is a very like big opportunity right now. I I need to introduce you to. We're gonna plan this yeah. after the show. Let's, Until it comes out in 4K, <laughs> then we really enjoy it. Let's get to one more question here. <laughs> Actually, this is an interesting one. Rick Morris is asking: Is the mediocre summer the reason why the big studios are not going to Hall H in SDCC this year? I don't think it's necessarily saying like, oh, because this is the state of summer 2019 we're mm -hmm. going. But I do think that the two issues are kind of connected just in terms of like the landscape overall and again the disney domination I, I think especially like if you just look at dc and marvel marvel has a reason to sit it out just because they have d23 happening a month later mm -hmm. and it's an event that they completely control and can do a lot with um but warner brothers has also been having more and more luck with these sort of one-off films like like shazam which see if it works and connect it to a cinematic universe later and I, I think all around studios were getting ahead of themselves by going up on stage and saying, here's our plan for the next five years. And it quickly gets old. I, I, I think that people are already sort of bored by the idea of uh, Godzilla versus King Kong coming out yeah. this year. And that's in part because of the Comic-Con presentation, mm -hmm. which told us exactly when it would be happening years ago. Yeah. It's all the planning it out. Just bummer feels, to hear yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> It just feels like if you're going to plan all it just feels like there's no mystery or surprise. And that's as human beings, we kind of like that behind anything we do. Uh, not spit takes so much, but certainly other surprises in life are good. Well, you could flip it around because I always go back to Mad Max Fury Road and what their Comic-Con presence mm. did for them. So maybe maybe it's just a matter of, I don't know, like the promotional dollars not necessarily being worth it for franchises with built-in fandoms like, let's say, a Marvel, a DC, yeah. even Harry Potter to a certain extent, even though Fantastic Beasts isn't doing too well. Whereas, you know, Mad Max was returning after right. so many years, they needed a little time in the spotlight, reinvigoration. So I don't know, maybe that's how we're going to see kind of San Diego Comic-Con and their movie presence reshape over the years. I also think that 
that like even though the panels won't be there, there'll there will be a presence. We will see people mm. in the Gaslamp district dressed as clowns to promote Joker, and there will oh, be sure. some sort of viral thing going on. I'm sure. And we will be there checking it all out. I can't. I love San Diego Comic Con. It doesn't matter how many years I've gone. I'm always going to look forward to going back. And we've got some very dangerous uh, suggestions in the live chat right now. I'm surprised that even approved these to be read. What? Steve Calderon and Michael Martinez are chiming chiming in. Maybe movie talk should be R-rated. R-rated movie talk. Do it. Like a movie talk after hours? Sometime? Can we make that happen? No, I'm getting like a a firm no right now. All right. We're not going there. An R-rated movie talk, though. That's not bad. (laughs) Don't even rock. We're done. We're done for today. Thank you guys so much for joining us for this show. Silas, as always, thank you for coming over today. Roka, you rock as always. And I'm in the booth. We love your hard work. Thad, thank you for manning the live chat while Dorian's busy at E3. Guys, thank you so much for watching this episode. Please like and share it. Tell everybody you know about us on the YouTube channel and on the podcast network as well. We are going to see you tomorrow, 3 p.m. PT Live, for a brand new episode.